This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the make. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Welcome to Talking Halos. This is Derek C. Apollo, my co-host John Crane, for another edition of Talking Halos. It is All-Star break time, but quite frankly, I don't feel like talking about the All-Star break. I'm kind of fired up after this last weekend, yesterday's game, especially at Houston. I know John is too. John, how was your day yesterday? It was it was uh, yeah emotional, yeah angry again. I was I was real yeah I was upset about the the whole Lucroy situation, and then followed that up with uh, a trip to you know to uh, Angel Stadium with the fans uh, to greet the bus, and um, I think a lot of people saw that. That was nice. It was it was it was nice. It was nice to be with all those people. Yeah, it was really nice to see you guys there. It was nice to see the support the team got. And the Angels, by the way, did express that Eric K went on Twitter and thanked Angels fans for showing up. I'm not sure if you saw that, but that was really classy of the Angels to return the love a little bit there and represent the team and say thank you. So, you know, I think one thing that is clear after the last week, the Angels fan base loves this team. They get a little frustrated sometimes, but even with a lot of heartbreak and what this team has been through, and it's been, it was about as hard a week as you can get barring a major injury to a top flight star who will remain nameless because I don't want to do the whole knock on wood thing. I mean, it was really bad. You lose Tyler Skaggs to, you know, what we don't even know yet. And that the injury to BJ Upton, the, I mean, geez, losing Lestella for eight to 10 weeks. Now LaCroix is out with a concussion and a broken nose. And you never know the concussion. He might be back in two weeks. He might be back in like never, depending on how bad the concussion is. A concussion, you just never know, especially at his age. And we have no idea if he's ever had a concussion before. This was a tough week if you are a member of the Angels organization or their fan base. Just, man, what a tough week. I don't think, I mean, I was thinking about that on the way home. I mean, I don't know how you could have, I mean, this is the wor- I mean, the, the most gut-wrenching uh, road trip that I've ever aware of. I mean, with losing Skaggs and and then uh, the Lucroy and just the way, you know, they already had their their hearts ripped out. And then to lose Lucroy yesterday and uh, you said Upton injured again. Yeah, I mean, 
it's it's just very I, I I commend them for going out. I mean, it's hard. I mean, they're professionals and this is what they do. But it's really hard to fault them or question them or anything that's gone on in the last week on the road against qual- uh, quality Houston team yesterday and another gut wrenching win, a loss at the end of the game. A ten, they scored ten runs and you don't win. Well, we need to talk about that. I, I do put a lot of that at the feet of Brad Ausmus. For, at least for this one, I don't like the way he handled the pitchers yesterday. And you know, I am really, really apprehensive to do any criticizing. But I have some serious questions on this one. I've defended Ausmus in the past about the third man through the third time through the order, but uh, this time I think I we I need to switch gears a little bit here because this one it just. Man, mm-mm. I, I, I have a problem with it. Before we get there, though, folks, we are just getting started here. We are literally two and a half months into our podcast tenure as a, a show that covers the Angels. And, hey, you know what? If you like what we're doing, please support us. Check us out on Apple Music and subscribe. We would also really appreciate a five-star review to help us move up the charts. And if you want us to earn it, hey, that's wonderful, too. Great. Emails to talkinghalos at gmail.com. Please give us your feedback if you are a new listener and you're enjoying the show. We really appreciate spread the word. Text a friend who's an Angels fan. You know, send a link to the to the show. We'd really appreciate it. It would mean a lot to us. And I got nothing there, John. <laughs> it's, well, it's 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 just nice to have more things to unify. I mean, I like you know we got there's a couple podcasts out there besides ours. Um, this you know there were uh, I heard originally heard about this this uh, meeting the players on a different. Um, Facebook page, and then but la- but then learned about the Halos Nation and joined them. And I think uh, there was a diversity last night, but I saw a lot of a lot of people from Halos Nation. And I just think it's nice to have more opportunities, you know, more more. Uh, and the cards uh, the cards went well yesterday, by the way, Mister Apollo. They did. Yeah, people asked for them. I was handing some out to somebody, and then people were like, "Excuse, can I have some? Can I have some?" <laughs> so uh, yeah. Yeah, I, um, I mean that's I, definitely not a goal for going out there. You know, when the when the team comes back, they hand out cards. And, and I made that perfectly clear. I said, "This is not why I'm here. I'm here for you know. I stayed till nine forty five to welcome the players, and I absolutely made that perfectly clear that this is not. But they were interested. They were hungry. They were you know they were they were interested. And uh, so you know, I I did mention it, but that was not my goal in going, and certainly uh, not my wife's goal because my wife was the one who really spearheaded this. Believe it or not, uh, she was the one who was. We are going. And she is the, such a nice lady. You know that? that I told her you complimented her. What did your wife do to, to get you? Gosh. <laughs> there was you a crazy story. You made oh. up, John. Oh, sir, please, please. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> from, uh, yeah, up, uh, from the basement to the penthouse. Definitely I married up. And there's a story I'll, I'll – yeah, I won't even bring that up. But there's a story I got to tell you off the air because it's not Angels related. But it's it's an amazing story. Anyways, it was really great. It was really meeting these people. I wish I had a I wish I had a better memory. I'm an old man. I'm 52, and I don't remember names as well. I do. I mean, I do see Sue withholding her her her, uh, her angels uh, halo in one of these pictures that lights up, and was fascinated to learn just you know today from Facebook that she made that for their World Series. She's had it that long. Oh, jeez. 
No, I was going to say, everybody's asking her where she got it. And then she, she answered on Facebook. <laughs> she got from the World Series. She made it for the World Series. So, impressive. A special shout out to the group Halos Nation. They've actually, um, well, I'm in a couple of Angels groups, and they've been very supportive of us. People are interacting mm-hmm. with us in there all the time. And other groups have not been as interactive with us. So I, I want to thank Halos Nation for allowing us to uh, specifically me, the out of town, come in there and talk some baseball with them. Now we'll get back to the visit to Angel Stadium later on, but we do have some baseball to cover. The first thing we want to get to here is this Houston series. It was, you know, overall, I thought the Angels really gave the Astros a run for their money. Game one, of course, they win five four. They get shut out in game two of the series four nothing. I have nothing to say about that. Sometimes good pitching is just good pitching. Garrett Cole's outstanding in that game no complaints sometimes you just don't have it against a great pitcher like that and and i can see why teams across the league will be going after garrett cole in the free agency this year because he was outstanding i just don't have Mm -hmm. other words than that game three that's where we're going to spend most of our time today angels lose 11 10 in the in extra innings it was a it is tough one to watch angels left for most of the game offensively they were very good they have a few problems we're going to talk about, and I'm hesitant to talk about those problems when you see a team score 10 runs in a game, 5 runs in the other. But I think the series really kind of exposed a few of the, of the problems in the lineup there that have been there all year, regardless of who's in the lineup. And, of course, the pitching issues, we we got to talk about them. I do not in any way, John, I, you, you can vouch for this, I do not want to spend a whole lot of time slamming Ausmus or any of the pitching staff over it. We just want to point it out that was some of the things we saw this weekend. And really, at some point, you have to let your young people grow. And I'm concerned that that's, what happened, that's what's happening with Brad Ausmus. So before I really dig into those things and you know, pick them apart, what thoughts did you have for this series overall, John? I just thought they came in with it. You know, I mean... <laughs> It's a tough series. Whoever they were playing, this was going to be a tough series. I really didn't have any expectations, especially going – you're referring to the Houston series. I mean, what these what these guys are going through, it's just – it was a tough series, and you're playing one of the one of the best teams in, in baseball right now. Um, you know, you, you, keep, you keep putting me on this rocking boat where I go, like, you, you explain to me about innings pitch because, you know, I was mad at social last year and I was mad at Os- Osmus this year for not letting our guys pitch. And, you know, now you're, you're kind of you're kind of now sending me back to the way that I was before. I mean, I, you explained the pitch count to me and, and it actually made a lot of sense. And when I, when I started comparing premier pitchers and their, their pitch counts when they're in the seventh and eighth inning, as opposed to our pitchers when they're in the fourth or fifth inning. So, um, but you know, I don't know. Sometimes I just think you got to let, you got to let them, let them go. Well, I mean, well, let's go there first. Okay, let's go there first because that seems to be where your heart is on this one. There's a lot more to get to, by the way. But we're talking about Jose Suarez being pulled in the fourth inning as he entered the third time through the lineup. And I get what the Angels are thinking. They're thinking they have four days off so they can just use the rest of the staff at will. Here's the problem that I have with this. And again, this is going to run counter to my previous case and the reason why it's going to run counter it's about who the angels brought in behind suarez and this is cahill who is struggling and struggling hard that is my real issue here and that you started to see this pitching staff which is tired the bullpen is tired 
It is really tired. This has been a, a bullpen that has been used up over and over again this year. This was one of those times where you need to take a shot. I know I this is opposite of what I've been saying before. And John, 90% of the time, my previous argument is a stance I'm going to take. But here's why it's different. Jose Suarez is a young rookie who the Angels are going to need the rest of this year. They're going to need him to grow mentally. They're going to need him to grow as a teammate. And they're going to need him to grow as a pitcher, period. Here you are playing, arguably, the best team in baseball. If they're not the best team, they're close. I think, talent-wise, they are the best team in baseball. And he pitched overall fairly well. Let him go. If your alternative is Trevor Cahill, the home run machine, let him go. Give it a shot. Give him a chance to grow. If he gets hammered, it's not any different than Cahill. It's really not. Give this kid a chance to grow instead of leaving him out there you know, to go back and think, man, I only have three and a half innings. Why won't he challenge me? Why won't he let me go at these guys? Give your young guy a chance. If you don't start building confidence in these young guys down the line, they're not going to have confidence when you really need them in a pennant race. The time to build Jose Suarez and Griffin Canning up is now. Now, the Griffin Canning start is a little bit different because, I mean, he's taking he's taking Tyler's spot in the rotation. I'm sure there's a lot, of, a lot of emotion there. I'm sure there are some other things going on. But in this situation, in future situations, you need to let these guys grow. Give him a shot. Give him a shot. Your alternative was, was Cahill, and Cahill is just not doing it right now. So give him a shot. You sound like you sound like somebody I know very well. One of the best people I know in the entire world. <laughs> uh, I mean, are you guessing? Are you saying it's you? Is that what you're saying? Yes, you sound like me. Who gave up when Canning? Because uh, I'm tempted to say when uh, no when in Skag's last game when when I was critical on on uh, Twitter of them pulling him when he had it was a shutout game there were two men on base and the next guy came in and was it was it Cahill too that that gave up a home run. You know, I think it may have been, but I'm not entirely sure. But here, here's the difference, man. Skaggs is, was 27 years old at the time he was making this start. He's been around the block a little bit, and his pitch, his pitch efficiency was, you know, he's at like I think it was 87 at the time. I mean, he he had thrown a ton of pitches more than what even Jose had. Jose was at 69, I believe, or was it even 59? Let's go back and look at the box score. But he was at a point here. Where outside, I think he gave him a hit and a walk. He'd been pretty effective. He just wasn't as efficient. Give him a shot. Give him a shot. Let this, I mean, it's just a different situation if you're talking about age and veteran status. Tyler's Kex is in a different, wasn't was in a different place mentally at that point. And Jose Suarez, to me, you need to get this guy some innings. He needs innings. You want this guy to grow as a pitcher. He has to face these situations. Tyler Skaggs has already faced these situations. We need Jose in there to face him now. Isn't isn't that what we uh, I and we have been saying? It's uh, you know I mean I know there's people that we still talk because we're not that far out of a wild card spot that there's a chance that we're going to get into the wild card. But I don't you know I mean even if we get to the wild card I don't you know I I my point is is. Yeah, let these guys pitch. Let these young kids. Let's bring them up. Let's let them go. You know, bring some excitement into this team that desperately needs something to be excited about at this point. Because it's not, you know, yeah, it needs excitement. And I think young kids, you know, let Canning go and and 
Yeah. Well, John, several factors. Don't forget, we're watching, we're thinking. Okay, there's the age, past experience, and pitch. How many pitches they've actually thrown? Let's just say this way: if Suarez had thrown 85 pitches and been in the same situation, I'd probably been like, okay, all right, Austin, I get it. But that's not where he was. So each situation is a little bit different. As a baseline, right now, this Angels pitching staff is struggling at the third run through the lineup. And so I'm going to support Asmus. But in this situation where the pitch count was was not that high yet, he is young, has not had his experiences, let him stay. Because you know what? In the very next inning, Noe Ramirez pitches too long. Yeah, I'm 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 not. You know, if well of course if the if the bullpen's pitching what, maybe four innings at, at least of, of of every game on average, if that, if not even higher than that. Yeah, I mean I'm not I've never been a fan of the bullpen, but this be their overwork that you've uh, pointed out to me, Trent Rush talks about. I, I, I am showing more respect for the for the bullpen and and they're overworked. But um, you know, but you, you go you go to Angel Stadium, you hang out with a bunch of fans, and guess what they're guess what they're talking about? They're talking about the bullpen. The bullpen's um, fine, man. The bullpen is fine. They just need some they need some rest. The bullpen is fine. Yeah. No, he was tired. And that's the, the part that really bothers me. When, when Noe gets in there, he was tired. He got a couple outs. They bring him back out the next thing. So it wasn't actually Cahill. I'm, I'm sorry. It was not Cahill. I misspoke. It was Noe. And, but it was so clear that Noe was tired. If you don't have your stuff, don't keep him in the game. But yet you let him run long, and you have the short leash for a guy who is built to pitch that long. Let these young guys pitch. All right. I'm applauding you right now. I mean, applauding you. I like it. So let's let let's let Cannon go eight. Let Cannon go eight. Jeez. No matter what, it, I want him to go eight. Just leave him the out pitch there. Pitch count is there. If he's going through a lineup fine, then yes. But as they are right now, ninety percent of the time, I'm going to fall back on my original argument. I'm saying there are cases like yesterday's game where I disagree, and Asmus needing to let him pitch some. How the heck are you supposed to grow, John? Oh, I agree. That's what. We are, you're speaking my language, my friend. You're speaking my language, <laughs> especially the young ones. Like I said, they're young. They got they got young arms. Yeah, I, I mean, he, I, he might I'm be worried about language. confidence in him and so on and so forth. But honestly, these guys are competitors, and they have enough veteran leadership in the locker room to where if Jose struggles a little bit with his confidence afterwards, they're going to pick him up. I just don't see the negative. When you're playing one of the best lineups in baseball, of let him take a shot. If he gets knocked around, so what? Every other team well, in the league gets, gets knocked around by them. Well, what's more frustrating? What would be more frustrating to you, Derek, if you pitched five innings and you'd had, you know, maybe maybe you'd given up one run in five innings, and there were two men on base, and then they leave you in there, and you and you pit, you 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 serve a softball, and and it's a three run shot, or you get pulled with those two men on base, and somebody else comes in for the bullpen and gives up a three-run shot. What what what's more what's more disheartening for a, for a pitcher? For me, I'm more frustrated. Like you didn't give me a chance, and now those are my runs. Well, yeah, I get that, and I as you, that you're talking like a competitor. And that's what competitors do. The analytics side, which has been pretty accurate, says says otherwise. So. These guys who are pitching lots of pitches, they, they are getting worn down, they're starting to get hit. They're not thinking logically and practically. They're thinking emotionally because they're competitors, and competitors are thinking at that moment emotionally. In the end, though, 
Al Smith is usually right right now. The pitching staff, the starting pitching staff, is not performing to a level that merits a long leash. I'm just saying, in this case, I believe Al Smith was wrong. I agree, too. I All think right. there's a few other cases. Again, uh, I'm not a. I'm still on the fence with Osmus. I'm still. He's still waiting to prove prove himself. I haven't given up on him by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but I'm not quite sold on this. It's like we're in the middle of Moneyball right now, where everything's going to going to pot, and everybody's ripping 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 the uh, the manager and and the GM. And uh, I'm hoping for a happy ending at the end, even though they got eliminated in the next in the playoffs. But at least they, they had that big home run at the end, you know, and well, a happy I mean, ending. Yeah, but you know, I think overall the direction of the organization is pretty good. I think there's a lot of character here. I think we saw that this week. I think the emergence of some of these guys in the farm system is is looking pretty good. Joe Adele's on the way; he'll be here soon. I like the direction the team is going and the organization's going. They're doing things the right way. It's really how you balance the just the way you play the game and also analytics. Analytics does have a role in this game. It does matter. The numbers do matter because the numbers are compiled somewhere. And it's it's compiled by what's actually happening on the field. So mm-hmm. there is a role for it in the game, and I, I think we we really be regretting future seasons and performances if we ignore those analytics. There is, there has to be a happy medium, and in, in case of Brad Ausmus, I'm okay with him. I one thing that has impressed me is he did a solid job leading this team this week. And you can tell he's a players' manager. You can tell because he cares about these guys, and he, 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 there's no perfect manager. They all have their shortcomings, but if he can be a players' manager, these guys respect him. They like him. They want to play for him. He can grow into the role over time, and that's what I'm kind of hoping for. At some point here, we have to also keep in perspective. This is just not a good pitching staff right now. Uh, if anybody came into this season with it, thinking we had a good pitching staff, then they then they're not paying attention. So I think we all knew it was going to be a, a a struggle in the pitching this year, um, which is why it's it's curious that people are are so impatient with uh, you, you know half season of uh, Brad Osmus and knowing that you know we saw we we had we had our World Series winning uh, manager last year, Mike Sosha, Hall of Fame. And uh, he had so, a I mean, leash too, didn't he? Oh yeah, he frustrated right. the heck out of me. That's my only. That's but, my issue, you know, with Otani. You know, the way he'd pull Otani early again. Now, see, I got to go back and I got to get back in the DeLorean and go go back in time and see what Otani's pitch count was. But see, Mike's not an was not an analytical guy, so I, I you know. But he I'm also gonna, knew Otani's injury history, though. We can't and guess what he ended Shohei up doing. Had a injury history when he joined this club. And guess I what? He still got hurt. Everybody knew that. Everybody bitted on him, and they all knew that he was probably going to need this surgery that he ultimately ended up having. But that's to me, is even more reason to, you know what? The guy's going to get injured. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I get, we could go with that could be a whole show, me talking about how Sosha handled Otani. And I guess it'll be another show when we see how Brad handles Otani when he comes back from both sides of the plate. I just don't think, I mean, it is, Okay, to be critical of Brad. I mean, I really think it's okay to be critical of Brad. The only thing is, is we have to keep in perspective of: is it fair for people to be overly critical when he does not have the talent to work with right now? Overall, are there pieces that are talented? Yeah, I think Jose is talented. I think Suarez is very talented. I think Cannon could be a future 
one and definitely a two. I like that he has some of these young guys. But if you're going to talk the entire staff right now, it's not there. And it's really, to me, not right that people would jump down the way Al Smith is handling the staff when the numbers show it. It's a bad starting staff. It just is what it is. I agree. Again, that, I said that, that anybody who had the expectations that we were going to have this, it's, I, I, I don't, yeah, I don't agree with them. I think, uh, I think this is kind of the season that I was kind of expecting, you know, I mean, hoping, hoping for the pitching staff to mature, to become consistent and hoping our offense would, would grow even more because on paper we are a, we're a pretty good offense. Well, they are. And even so, even that lineup has some, some gaps. And one of the things I want to talk about tonight in terms of the lineup is we struggle to manufacture runs. You saw it in the Cole game. Any chance they got, they just, they don't run well. They don't run the bases well. They don't steal a lot of bases overall. They just struggle to manufacture runs. So when they're hurting, the mm-hmm. lineup, the major weakness in this lineup is they are so streaky that when they are cold, they are cold, and they cannot produce runs when they're in trouble. That's why they're – look at how many people they've left in scoring position in the last – Left in base, yeah. I mean, all year, really, but especially in the last two weeks, it's been rough. They do not manufacture runs. And then, and then that's you know, well, they, they switch the schedule. They switches the schedule around. Even my wife has figured out, you know, the trout. Why trout has so few RBIs for what he does? Because there's rarely people on base when he does what he does, and that's not his fault. Um, well, he hits two. He hit second in the lineup. You know, you're not in, you're not in the RBI mill at four and five. You're not a four and five. That's the RBI mill. But you put him down four and five. Then who's protecting the lineup? No one. Shohei is going to protect him at three. Yeah. They, right now, the lineup is, when it's on, it's very good, but it's also not a lineup that has a lot of guys who hit for average. Look what Cole's hitting, and look what Albert's hitting in terms of average. These guys are going to have their big, big plays, but they're going to miss a lot. They're going to, you know, the big thing about baseball is we're talking about a game where a good hitter still fails seven out of ten times, right? Well, yeah. these guys are failing more than that, and have for years. Yeah, I mean, I'm so a- they're going to have their they're going to make their plays, but they're not hitting for average, and that catches up to you, especially when you really need to clutch it. Any ideas what what'll go on when uh, where you think where you project Joe Adele this season or maybe next season? Uh, we, we were asked this question in the last show, and. Uh, DeRay asked that question, and I think we'll see him in September for a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. I really think we're talking next season he'll make the, team, make the team and be part of this outfield next year. I really think this is it for Cole. I think Cole's gone. Yeah, you know, I reviewed – okay, yesterday I was talking to the fans at, at the stadium, and I was – you know, you, you have you, – you're my you're – my, uh, um, Obi Wan, you, you've taught me things, and the one thing was you've pointed out. <laughs> we've discussed yeah, I it. am. We've discussed it. Yeah, you've discussed it. Nauseam is the one-year contracts, and I actually pulled out my because everybody was talking about you know the, what what we could do, what we can do. And so I, I you know I googled and had the list of all the players that have one-year contracts right now, and I just started reading the names, and I mean it's a it's. It's a lot of people, and once I, you know, once I finished reading, and I go, those people all have one year contracts, and they were like, 
Whoa, really? Wow. And by the way, um, I, I, Obi-Wan, so what's the deal with Otani? So I was uh, going over those one-year contracts, and, and he popped up on that list as, having, as showing his one-year um, not worried that he's going to leave because he picked us, but what's the deal with that? What am I looking at? Well, people could change their mind, but he's not going anywhere. It's a six-year contract. This is the way the posting system worked, and the rules for signing somebody out of the Japanese league, it kind of works that way. It really just becomes a series of contracts, and it's going to be six years for him. They have control for six years, basically. And, I mean, he can't, he's worth a ton. Like He's worth, could be over $200 million easily. But we'll see, you know, what happens later. But right now, it's six years. Yeah, but he, if he was worried about money, he could have waited. What he only had to wait another season or two he had to come to over here, and he would have been unrestricted. Yeah, age twenty-five, and we would have unrestricted because you still with the Japanese system. You got to post for it, and they put in bids, and you know you have to pay that posting fee. Okay, so he wouldn't have been like unrestricted, but. There is an age ground. There is an age level there where he has to, to put in time. But then he could have chosen. He could have. He could have made more money. That was my understanding at the time when he did it. If he'd stayed a couple more years, he would have yeah. made a lot more money. He didn't. We're not paying him very much at all. We paid. We paid the. Um, what was his team? The uh, uh, Nippano. Uh, Nippano uh, Fighters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We paid them a lot of money. But um, but he go under ahead. the CBA. An incoming international player under the age of 25 can only sign for a league minimum. So he just wanted to be here, which yeah. is with the Angels. And he could have cho- he could have chosen the Yankees, could have chosen anybody he wanted to be an Angel. So, hey, hopefully he's enjoying it. I, I, I'm pretty sure he looks like he is. So there you go. He does. He looks very – he looks like he enjoys it a lot, yeah. So the, overall, though, you're talking with these folks out there about the one-year contracts. and Even the way this team is built right now, I think you could see a really quick turnaround. All these contracts be gone, and the Angels can be very, very active in free agency this year. So, And I think they will. I think it's pretty clear they're going to be. I think they've been waiting for this free agency. And I would not be surprised if they went hard after an ace. I would not be surprised. I expect them to stand pat. The way it's going right now... I think they will probably either sell or stand pat the deadline and get whatever prospects they can, and then come off season they're going to go. It's going to be on like Donkey Kong. That's what I'm thinking. That was the whole point of the conversation. And again, I, I give credit because this is things I've learned from you. But that's what, what I was telling them as we were standing around. I was saying the point of me showing, showing them all those one year contracts, and then I, I said the same thing. I think I think we are going to go after somebody. We're we're going to spend some money this off season uh, to show at least some form of of, of improvement. Uh, I'd like to think a dramatic improvement. I I'm looking forward to see what they do, honestly. And they're going to have a good amount of money available to them just because of all the one-year contracts. And they mm-hmm. have space under the luxury tax. They have money. They just are not stupid about spending that money. And they're not going to commit themselves like they have in the past to long-term deals that aren't going to work for them. And this goes yeah, back like I said, to our Jason Reed debate. He's like, just spend money. They're, they're I think, a, a, like a small market team. No, they're not. They're acting like a team that has a plan for the guys they actually want to get. Well, we have spent money in the past before, and it's nipped us in the butt just about every time. We went after that big, shiny uh, you know, trophy uh, free agent. And uh, so I, I like the patience idea. 
I'm not sure. I don't, I don't understand why fans haven't learned anything from some of our past signings to to not show a little patience. And again, I don't know what they're expecting this year. I wasn't expecting much of anything except to enjoy myself. I mean, I was expecting a fun offense, and they had been fun for the most part. Pitching-wise, you know, I think I've lost a full head of hair watching the pitching staff, but is what it is. Now, there's other things going on. We're kind of getting sidetracked here, and sorry for that, folks. We are. It is easy. It's been a, it's been a, a, a more than a week, really, since we've had a serious podcast just due to all the tragedies that have happened. So, pardon us a little bit for finally getting down and talking some deep, deep baseball. There are a couple <laughs> things we want to address. I think first for Berea's pitching night the other night, great job. I also have to say it was heartbreaking watching Griffin Canning go out there in Tyler Skaggs' slot. You could tell he was emotional, and and then next night out, Andrew Heaney throwing the curveball. It was an ugly curveball, but he did it, threw it for a strike, and um, that was his best friend he lost. So, again, these guys are human beings, and he lost his best friend. Nobody breaks breaks my heart more than watching Andrew Heaney because this is a guy that only gets to go out there maybe once, if he's lucky, twice a week. Otherwise, he just sits there. And they show it, you know, so occasionally you'll, you'll pan in the dugout and you'll see him. And, you know, it's at least, you know, the other guys, most of the other guys get to go out there and, and work it off, you know, uh, you know, get distracted. And, uh, um, yeah, I, 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 I mean, I feel for everybody. I feel for the fans, but I feel a little extra for Andrew Heaney. And he pitched well, for that matter. Yeah. He yeah. got a little, got beat up a little bit in the middle innings where they had to take him out, but... Overall, given probably he probably had a big adrenaline spike early, probably had some nerves early, probably had a lot of emotions early, probably wore him out a little bit by the middle innings. But overall, he pitched well, and he deserves credit for that. It was a tough loss that day, but you're you know you're against Garrett Cole, and he was like we said, lights out. The other thing here is John Lucroy. That was uh, how do I say that? It was rough. We're in the bottom of the eighth inning. It's a ten ten game. The line drive goes out to Cole Calhoun. Jake Marusic's on third base. He makes the run home. And seconds later, we have Jonathan Croy pretty much out cold in front of home plate. Marusic has scored the go-ahead run. It's 11-10 Astros. Stop. Rewind. Marusic is called out. Luke Croy has a concussion and a broken nose. There's a collision there coming in. And this has been on social media that's been a raging I mean it's again a raging controversy and it's been some bad blood especially on social media between the Astros and Angels fans over this and I have to be honest there's some Houston media members that have been acting completely inappropriate with this I, unbelievably inappropriate when it comes to this, especially with given what the Angels have been through uh, and it's really disappointing quite frankly and unprofessional I was just gonna say I, I, I was you know I mean I'm not I was disappointed in the Houston fans. I would like to think that if I saw one of our players do that, and they got to see replays on it on the screen, I'm, I'm assuming, and they saw what what happened, and you know, Lacroix essentially not you know knocked out. Uh, you know, I would like to think that I would have been a little more uh, stoic on the whole situation and not as supportive of our player. Um, uh, yeah, just the fans' reaction a little bit bothered me just a little bit because that was a that was a head first helmet to the helmet you know uh, tackle. That's in football. That's not legal, right? No, but I think there's something a little bit deeper than that. For first thing, I want to point out 
that I don't want to generalize Houston fans. And I don't either. That's why I was right. very careful to say. Uh, I do yeah. also want to point out that at least on social media, I've come across some in the last few days who have been really horrible to interact with. And it's, we interact with quite a few fans from different teams on our Twitter page and our social media pages. And by far, the Houston ones that have interacted with us have been rather horrible. I'm not saying it's all fans on social media or all Houston fans in general. I'm just saying those that have interacted with us, we've seen it's been really kind of disgusting. And that. And also I want to point out that we have some Angel fans on Twitter who don't behave themselves. We're not innocent here, folks. But I am disappointed overall in the over it just in how people care themselves. As for the actual play itself, the the rules are actually pretty clear. These new rules that have been in effect here for a little bit of time. The where Luke Croy was stationed, and the MLB Network guys did a really good job. Joe Girardi did a really good job explaining this on MLB Network. I'll try and remember to make sure I put the a link to the video in our show notes here, our, our description so you can see it. Another guy on YouTube did a really, really nice, clean minute 45 second breakdown of it to show exactly how Marisnik was in the wrong here. So you have the catcher, Jonathan Lucroy, where he's stationed. Now, you're, you're typically, if, you, if the ball's coming in from right field or left field, you're supposed to have your feet in a certain place to get the ball. Okay, Lucroy was in that position, and he was stationed in front of the plate. Now, some Astros fans and media members have said, well, he was blocking the plate. No, he wasn't. You can see numerous different angles to show that he was not blocking the plate. He had every right, according to MLB rules, to be where he was, okay? And even deeper explanation here is it's not the catcher's responsibility here. It is the runner's responsibility. He's making the decision to run home. He's making the decision to go for the plate. He has a responsibility to make sure he stays on that baseline. And as long as the catcher is not blocking him, as long as there's a way to the plate, then there sh- that should not be happening. Now, what we're seeing in the review is you have LaCroix in the front of the plate. You have Marisnik coming down. He's on the line, a little bit pointed towards the, the, foul, the foul section of the plate. And then he veers in as LaCroix is trying the ball to try and do a swipe tag. Okay? So he's going straight. And at the last second, you see him veer in, shoulder first, hitting his head. Hitting Lucroy's head, knocks him out. It was not a, there was no slide. It was a collision. And this is where Marisnik is wrong. He had the entire back end of the plate. He had a path to the plate, and instead he chose a collision. That's why he's out. Lucroy was actually perfectly stationed. So anybody who's sitting there saying, well, I see this footage, and he's, he's blocking the plate. No, he's not. He's right where he's supposed to be. Well, I mean, bottom line, end of the day, too, and I said this earlier, but that this is, you know, 2019. I know, you know, there's people who are critical of athletes saying that they're not as tough as they used to be, like me when I say they don't pitch nine innings or, you know, I have a reliever and a setup. But, I mean, this is these rules. I mean, this is 70s, 80s play, uh, you know, this kind of tackling the catcher. And, and he more tackle. He, he went after LaCroix more than he went after anything. And uh, I just it's it's not it's not acceptable in this day and age. I mean, we do things, you know, things we did 20, 30 years ago. Some of them aren't acceptable. And this was just completely 
yeah, it was out of line. It was. I, I'm hesitant to say it was dirty. I do. Do I believe he meant to have a collision there? Yes. Do I meant? Do I believe he meant to hurt him? No. 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 Okay. You could tell by his expression as soon as he got as soon as it went down. You could tell his expression. He was. He was uh, deer in the headlights because he realized he just seriously injured somebody. But it does not mean that he made a good decision. He made a bad decision. He made a bad choice. And you cannot let this slide if you're, the ML, if you're MLB. And the reason why I'm saying that is Luke Roy followed the rules. He was not in any way in a place he wasn't supposed to be. He has a right to be there. He has a right to the baseball. But at the last second, you do see Mr. Jake veer in towards him. And again, I do not mean... Let me say it again for any crazy Houston Astro fan who wants to you know, get mad at us here and cause a fight. I do not mean in any way he meant to hurt Luke Roy. I'm just saying, according to the rules, Luke Roy did nothing wrong. And you can't he, just let this slide. You have absolutely. To, and it, it, has I, to be I got here. I got confused yesterday uh, watching the game with my wife. And uh, when I saw him review the video, because they reviewed the video. I mean, they reviewed the umpires. It went back to whatever, New York, wherever it goes, and they review it. And then he gave him the, you know, you're out sign. I actually thought that he was throwing him out of the game because I would expect you to, you know. Uh, and uh, then it took me a minute to realize, oh, the score didn't change. He just called him out is all he did. But um yeah, there definitely needs to be. Yeah, be, I, I'm expecting some something needs to be done about this. Well, the rule book, and even in the video we found, it was a really nice YouTube video. It's on our Twitter page. The, the explanation it doesn't account for intent because you don't know intent in that situation. It is bang bang. You can't judge for. For all I know, Marisnik meant to hurt him. I don't believe that. I don't believe he meant to hurt him. There was no reason to hurt him. Lacroix is a respected veteran. Why would you want to hurt him? These aren't evil dudes. But the rule is clear, and that's why it's there. And therefore, it, there it was should a t- be some it, kind of punishment. It was a 10-10 game. He was the 11th run. He did. I, I again. I don't think he tried to hurt him. And, and again, I go back to his reaction when he got up because his reaction he was a little de- little devastated because he'd seen how bad Lucroy was injured. So no, I, I absolutely do not believe he did it intentionally. He was just playing. Whatever, smash, mouth, baseball, however you want to call it, but it that doesn't make it right. I mean, that he didn't that he didn't try to hurt him doesn't make it right. Yeah, initially I thought he did try to hurt him because I thought I saw his arm go up at him in the face. And when I went back and saw the replays again, I realized no, that was his shoulder coming in and his arms weren't extending out into his face. So that made it easier for me to be convinced, okay, you know what, he did not mean to hurt our guy. But it was reckless. It was against the rules, and he and the umpires were right to call him out. And it's ridiculous to me that you have members of Houston sports media, some of them, not all of them, who are willing to go out there and say he's safe. Look, follow. Just read the rules and look at the replay again from every angle, and you know we should have been out. And most importantly, you know that Luke Roy did not break the rule here. Luke Roy has the right to the baseball. If he's in position, and he was, he has the right to move the trying the baseball. It's the runner's responsibility, and that is why, in the end, this is on Marisnik, not Luke Roy. Agreed. Now, one last thing I want to note in this one too, John. You said it earlier, and I'm, I'm 100% with you. If this is our guy, if this is our guy, and he's hurting another team's catcher, 
I'm going to call it out because it's wrong. And we would be hypocrites and it would be immoral for us to not call it out. So those Astro fans who are saying these things, let me ask you a question. What would your reaction be if the same exact situation was reversed? It would How be would you- reverse. It would be a reverse decision of what it would be. If, if For the ones, I don't. I think it's a small, you know, it's always the small, it's the vocal minority. It's the, that, that, that does all the screaming and shouting in this country. And um, so I think it's a vocal minority that is, is being critical and, 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 and supporting him in this. Um, but no, I, 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 I know I wouldn't be. If I saw that and I was at this stadium and they showed it on our, the Angels' largest uh, screen in Major League Baseball, anybody in the stands could see that that was not, a, not good, not good. And uh, so I, I would be very stoic after that. I would be very stoic until it all got cleaned up. And, you know, well, they end up winning the game. Okay, I'll still be happy I won the game, but not happy with what, 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 what went down there. And I would fully expect any player on the Angels to be suspended. And, and that's how it should be. I just I really want to call this out, too. The Houston media members who are saying those things, it's completely inappropriate. And some said some really nasty things about the Angels and their fans. And I'm just thinking, dude, where have you been the last week? Man, have some class. Have some freaking class. Seriously. Have you not seen we just lost one of our starting pitchers? We, I mean, seriously. And you're going to call, call trash our fans and trash our team? Over what? Because some people aren't happy with your comments about a really bad call home plate? What Marisnik did was wrong. Was he evil? No. But he was wrong. Just own it and move yeah, on. I, I agree. Anybody who's not sensitive to, to what the Angels have gone through with Skaggs, and then, you know, on a much lesser level, Tommy LaStella and Justin Upton. Um, yeah, I, I, that's why, you know, like you, you and I, it's, it's hard to be critical at this point of, of, of the Angels. Um, I mean, you know, we, we can't, we do have to, have opinions, but you know, so it's still it was still the same week. So, but it was. I think honestly, on social media, if people would adopt a simple, simple motto: when you're wrong, just own it and move on. Take the L. And so many times, you just won't do that. Just take the L, take the loss, own it. And you know, people are a lot more forgiving when you do. Take the L. I saw your I saw your Twitter comment. Your tw- your take the L in your discussion with that that man. Yeah, I mean, just honestly, just take the L. But, and and that's why I'm mentioning John because it's all over social media. Anytime there's an argument, people just double down and get stupid. Just say, just admit you lost. Just admit you were wrong and say and, and move on. Don't be a knucklehead. Okay, hey, we gotta get going here, but there are a couple more things yes, you do, do. want to hit. And that is, well, first, before we kind of get to the very end, programming note, July 14th to 20th, I am in New York City for a teaching seminar, learning a bit about American capitalism. So the podcast will be light that week. We'll try and get one done and ready for Sunday night. I'm not sure how we'll pull that off, but John and I will we'll pull a rabbit out of our hats. Midweek Wednesday won't happen. Uh, and that Sunday night, the coming back afterwards, we'll make it happen. So we'll probably miss at least, probably miss one podcast there. So if you're, don't be mad and leave us if we uh, happen to not have a show on that Wednesday night. Just it is what it is. Working on some bonus stuff for this week though, just in case. 
Overall, though, hey, we are looking for advertisers, and if you're willing to, you know, do some business with us, reach out to us, talkinghalos at gmail.com, especially if you like what we're doing. Also, you can leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. I'll get right back to you. And that leaves us for the now. John, you were out there last night the team came in. I'm sure the players appreciated it. The organization certainly did. They've acknowledged it. Overall, what was your, what were your feelings having been there to, to greet the team home? First off, really, the night was really just about uh, the fans because um, we, you know, we, 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 th- there was all sorts of mixed reports on what time to report to the stadium, and we got there probably around six thirty, and already security was giving us the the heads up that they were they weren't going to be there at that time. I mean, people were forecasting them to be there like three hours after the game which is kind of silly and which is my wife said they're not going to be there but it was nice because you could still that we we had an opportunity to walk over and see the tyler skaggs uh memorial growing growing with more uh um uh, you know gifts left in his in his memory um so a lot of fans and then we um uh, standing around talking a lot of people knew each other um from you know you go on the you go i've never i've never posted anything in my life with as many likes as the post from the angels from my visit last night and all good angels fans we ended up they ended up pushing it all the way back we, we so mo- a lot of some people i think showed up at five o'clock or four o'clock and the team didn't show up till nine forty-five at night um, people had candles for, uh, there was many candles. Everybody handed them out. Uh, and, um, the team, you know, and, and my wife was the one to, to point this out to me very quickly. You know, the team, they got off their bus and I'd say, you know, a handful of them, as you, you referenced this in Twitter, a handful of them, you know, waved at us. It was very dark. It was hard to even tell who the players were when we got off the bus because they were kind of off a quad. There was a divider. They were probably about, I don't know, 50 feet from us and they got off the bus and uh some waved and many of them honked as they because they walked had to walk to the the parking structure area behind they went to a gate and then they came out in their cars and and they honked so there really was minimal uh reaction uh, uh, interaction between the players and us um but i know they had to they had to have appreciated it and 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 we we just we just it felt good to be there, to be there for them, especially, I mean, I understand these guys getting off the bus and all that's gone on in the last week, even in the, that last, that same day, what it had just happened in that day compounded by what was on the other week. Um, I, I give out hats to them. I was glad I was there. I got, got to meet a lot of, uh, a lot of angel fans, obviously. And, you know, that's, I mean, that's what matters overall. The, the game, they lost that game yesterday. They've had a rough week. The fans have had a rough week. But um, the, there are the ties that bind, and just being able to be there, I'm sure, meant the world to them. So, you know, and the Angels, again, one more time, the Angels did thank this group for being there last night. And so that's really neat that they did that. I agree, I, and thank you for bringing that to my attention. We'll sh- we'll share that on the uh, we'll share that on the page on the uh, the. The Halo Nation page, and then the uh, well, we also posted it on the Talking Halos page, and uh, what was the other page that was there that was that was represented? Yeah, I think it was, yeah, Halos Nation was strong there, though. Halos Nation was strong. So you know, and any other any of the other pages that don't feel short, don't 
don't feel short in here. It just happens to be that Halo's Nation was the one that was a little more prevalent that day. Oh no, Sorry. another hit, just another Halo victory. They were mm-hmm. they were very prominent too. And there's there's angels a, the for two- life. Did any angels for life people show up? Uh, you know, I didn't. T- we didn't talk. I just know that the just another because I I know the people on the just another Halo victory and the Halos Nation. I see them. I saw them last night. I see their posts. Yeah. So I don't know about. I know there was a guy from the Talking Halos page there last night. Actually, two. There's a guy and a girl from our page. <laughs> Me. And my wife yeah. and, and my daughter, <laughs> my daughter ended up showing up. She was over down in the neighborhood and she ended up showing up. So it was, it was nice. It was very, I think, therapeutic for everybody involved. All right. Well, folks, it is time for us to hit the road, though. You know, one thing I do want to say to you, if you can go this weekend as the Angels host the Mariners and they're going to have the Astros back in, go, go. Already have the tickets for Friday. Already have yeah. them. We're going to be there. And there's there's organizers. They're organizing more stuff on Facebook to meet. I I my expectation is to meet the hot dog girl. This uh, <laughs> Catherine Rhodes, <laughs> hot dog girl. You know, I, but, I put that on. I put that on Facebook, and she gave me the like, and she's ready. So so expect a picture of me with the hot dog girl. Oh boy, that's I'm promising that. I, and then you got your fan that uh, lives that is going to be out there that want that last night wants to meet you at the Angels in, in Cleveland game. He's going to be out there, so that's something you have to look forward to. What I'm trying to say though, John, is sometimes tragedies have a way of bringing people together, and I think in a lot of ways Tyler would be really pleased to know that his passing helped bring this team closer with its fans and the fans close, closer with each other it's a horrible horrible thing to happen but i would think that you know he would like that so folks if you get a chance a you know go out there this weekend support the team geez go meet in the parking lot have a beer talk some baseball it just we're fortunate this team has had a bad history what you're talking about what happened with tyler you know, with valbueno you know, going back to Donnie Moore, even the remember the bus accident. Oh yeah, the bus accident. This there's been a lot of really rough things that have happened with this team over the course of many years, and you know, I'm not. I have people have asked the question: Are the Angels cursed? Are they? You know, do <laughs> will they ever be not cursed? I can't say that, but what we can say is that as a fan base, you can choose to grow together. And you can choose to do the things that help, you know, help build that tie to the franchise. There are a lot of other organizations out there that do for other teams. I know that, for example, you know, you guys know I cover the Rams. The Rams have several major booster clubs that have really built up in the LA area, and they hold events throughout the year. It'd be really neat to see an Angels Fest pop up where the fan base gets together and has this big festival come Christmas time or whatever, where people go out there and grilling hot dogs and hanging out and bringing some old, older players in the talk to them. And that'd be a really neat thing to happen. And I would, I would hope that down the line, that's what we can see. Absolutely. Yeah. It definitely brings out the best in people. This, it, 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 it refocuses on, you know, wins are great and we all love the win, but it refocuses on what's really important. And, uh, we saw some things that were, you know, far vastly more important than them winning a game this week. Um, more significant and, yeah, so it's it, it really yeah, obviously you see from the pictures it does bring people together. All right, folks, there you go. We're asked head on out there, go out to the game, 
And uh, we'll be with you again probably Wednesday. We're going to have a couple podcasts out this week. We're going to have a couple, couple guests on before I roll out to New York City. And in the meantime, though, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Talking Halos. You can search for our page on Facebook, the Talking Halos page. Also, find me on Twitter at DC Apollo. John Crane at Jags Crane John. Don't forget some Spreaker, Apple Music, pretty much everywhere podcasts can be found now. And for the entire team here, it includes John. That's me. Derek, yeah, it's you. This is Derek C. Paul saying, take it easy. Let's get a little bit of a break here. Also, break is here. Have a great one. drama. Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. Let's say you make it to the top. What's next? Relish in the glory of your accomplishments? Okay, sure, for a minute. But then you move forward. Take the 2021 Escalade. Cadillac's newest arrival is more than just a celebration of iconic luxury. It's the most technologically advanced Escalade ever. Because arriving is just the beginning. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.